Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. My gosh. You know, Coach Danger had that winning mentality, man. Coach Danger was just one of the first person, I would say, borderline just arrogant. You know, just that, that character. Hey, we good, man. Anybody who is um, not better than us, they won't beat us. But you're cold. You cold, man. You've been cold, cold. since you were kids, kids. Jermaine now been cold. cold. Now you yeah. cold. Now you cold. Now you cold. We cold water. <laughs> <laughs> right. Y'all get, y'all get a room in. Come on. And bro, we used call. to kick it every day. When that man get off that bus, I, and then they, 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 they pull it down and drop me off, we'll go and drop our backpacks off, and we'll come outside and look at each other like, what's up, man? What you want to do? Look. You can argue with me. You can't argue with the number. You can't argue with the number. Argue with me. Uh, argue with me all day. Oh man, I just, all right. Not, not now. Go look at the number. So if I if, if I'm lying, I'm flying and I'm and I'm, and I'm real fat, man. I can't fly. Yeah, it in the church say everything you need, you can find it in the Word of God. That's an old Cortez song, right? So um, Jones D. <laughs> yeah. So um so if, if we believe that, then what I'm dealing with with mental health is supposed to be in there too. Was I good enough to play in the WNBA? Maybe, maybe not. But. I also had another option to make money yeah. and to make good money and still be able to do what I love. Like, man, like I got family members that, that struggle, you see what I'm saying? And like, just to be able to to change their trajectory, you know what I'm saying? Like change, change their path, but like, like break the, break the cycle on, on, on them living like that, you see what I'm saying? Like that's my motivation. Like, so I'll, I'll free credit. Beer. I'm gonna freeze it for a second. I just like <laughs> so. Um, hey, but 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 the difference is too is like, and I know we'll get to this later. But when you buying that car, they're gonna find a way to squeeze you in that car. If your debt to credit ratio is too high with the house, that's gonna affect your buying power. Uh, I'm always be the better candidate in whatever I do, man. I ain't mad at that at all. And, and what and whatever I do, and uh, and one thing about it, whatever I do, I'm gonna have the everybody had the same mentality that I have, but that didn't do never open the door for someone else because you may feel like that with your approach, but the people that I'm helping love the way that I do things. Is he froze? I'm, I'm good. I'm here. He good, man. What you mean he froze? Like, E, what's up, man? What to do, man? Ripping and running, running and whipping, ripping or hey. whatever it, uh, Whippy said. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so doing a little bit of everything right now. I, I feel yeah, you, man. Uh, moving around, moving around. These kids got me like, busy. So, so they got you, know, you busy. <laughs> yeah, dog, you know how that go. Yeah, All day time, no me time. Yeah, you, you got one about to graduate. You got one. You know, gonna be the next Simone Biles. You know, you got another keep your biz all around. So hey, you gotta do it, man. Yeah, just left a little orientation for one on. So nonstop, but you know, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. That's it. That's it. All right. So thank y'all for tuning in again for another show of Sticks and Stones. Um, y'all are watching episode twenty, uh, Well or Machine, with our special guest who we're gonna bring on in a second, Lana Turner. So um. 
for the ones of you watching wondering where Jig at. Jig got work tonight. So uh <laughs> when, when oh, I work, he, he pulled my leg. Traffic. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> hey, so that's you know, it's part of it. So, you know, we want to make sure that we always try to be prompt, start on time, you know, but uh when work calls, we got responsibility, we gotta take care of it. So you know. life be life. Yep, so life be life. Uh, before we get started, you know, Coldwater High School has their alleged last graduation this Saturday morning, 10 o'clock. So, um, you know, if you're free, you're available, attend that graduation. Yep. At Northwest Community College at the gymnasium. Y'all know where it's at. Y'all know where it be. And then uh, following that, Trail Chemist is going to throw a, a Wayne Dane doodle down there at Walker School uh, where he invited all the class to come out. Free of charge to come in and you know fellowship socialize and uh leave y'all pistols at home, leave y'all pocket knives at home. Don't go down there with no mess. All right. So enough of that going, Lee. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. And we and we don't need that in our neck of the woods. So uh leave that leave that mess where y'all leave it. Don't bring it down to walk school. So you know, without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce um Mike Blood cousin, my first cousin. Uh, you know, Lana Turner, she actually graduated from Coldwater High School, grew up west of Coldwater down in Arcabella, a couple of doors down from me, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, went on to uh, to study at Mississippi State University. Yeah, man, got the marijuana's going. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, went on to study at Mississippi State University where she actually uh, <laughs> I got her uh, her mechanical engineering degree. So, um, you know, for y'all that's watching, let me introduce the song and present to others. Miss Lana Turner. What's up, Lana? How are you? Good, good, good. You know, Mac working them digits over there. He gave me some applause and everything. Man, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm on it, man. I'm multitasking right now. <laughs> How you doing, Lana? I am doing well. Yeah, thank you so all for you know, having me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for coming on. You know, we ain't gonna hold you too long because we know you're in the Eastern Time Zone. So ah. yeah, you, you're gonna miss you're gonna miss a little more sleep than we'll miss tonight. But we go we ain't gonna try to uh, keep you a little too long. So we just wanna you know show the people and tell the people who you are, what you're doing, what you've done, what you've accomplished, and you know hopefully set a good example for somebody else who's looking to be an engineer one day. All right. Yep. So to start out, Lana, you know, we grew up a couple doors down. And for the ones of y'all who don't know, me and Lana are our first cousins. So Lana's dad and my mother are the oldest kids. Her dad's the oldest son, and my mother's the oldest daughter, my granddad's. So um, Lana's, a, Lana's a Turner, but Lana's also a Connelly. So I um, wanted to make sure I call that out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, grew up down in Arcabella, Bluff Road, Bluff Road through and through. So, um Lana, when you look back at your childhood, we just start out there. You know, kind of tell us about your childhood. What was the what was childhood like, and you know, what did you enjoy, and how was that? Okay, ah, growing up on the bluff, it was awesome. Um, <laughs> like, was everybody is basically family. Like you said, we grew up two doors down. Um, it was. I don't think it was a day that I didn't come up, or y'all didn't come down to the house. Mm -hmm. um family was everything back then i mean and still now but it's not as much family living on the block now 
but family was everything. We was growing up uh, as kids in the summer, play kickball in the path, run up and down the street, ride bikes, um, getting up Sunday mornings, going to church. After church on Sundays, running back and forth between the houses, eating, loving grandma's cakes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, she's talking about grandma's cakes. Look, she's trying, she trying to be modest. I was telling uh, I was telling Jordan McLeod that you was cooking full course meals when you were about fourteen. We used to wear that chicken out. Oh, oh yeah. What was it like two days ago? You was telling us that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Full course meals. Mom and dad worked. When they got home, they had a meal on the table for them. Yep. Yep. And that was one thing that they instilled in us. They go to work. They work hard. The thing they wanted out of us is for us to return the favor. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah, before I wrote this over to Matt, uh, I want to share something too. That hard work, I got a lot of that hard work from my uncles, you know, starting out with, with Lionel's dad with, with helping with the cows and the hogs and stuff. So I guess we didn't technically call it a farm, but y'all take me have a farm, you know, you think about yep. it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So a lot a lot of that stuff, man, you know, working with the cows and stuff. I I got there at an early age, enjoyed doing it. And kids today don't know nothing about it, but it's it's the stuff, man, that you look back on, you appreciate it. So I ain't know nothing about it myself. Ah. Yeah. But I I still kind of grew up in it though. I, I looked at it, I think I, I don't know if I posted that picture the other day or not, but it was a picture of me and my cousin uh and my granddad. Um with you can see the chickens and hogs in the background in the picture. So I, I was there. Um, when I was at my grandma's house, it's not when we moved to Coldwater. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's good stuff, man. You know, these, these kids they need to see that stuff. They need to experience that versus an iPad or a tablet, man. That, that, down there, we ain't, look, we ain't have no. Yeah, even today we wouldn't even have high speed Wi Fi, so we definitely would have to still be doing <laughs> and enjoying the outdoors. Yeah, the <laughs> AOL. Man, I remember like not even just cable. When we mm -hmm. moved to Coldwater, but I still used to ride the bus to my grandma's house every day down west. So yep. no cable TV, none of that. None of that stuff you get in Coldwater down there, boy. Yeah. Different world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like they got satellite now. So you know, when it's storming, you ain't going to get it. Got <laughs> that satellite. Well, <laughs> well they yep. upgraded a little bit. They have U-verse, too. Okay. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to check that out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Lana, how I, you touched on it already, but uh, or at least you just went over it kind of your upbringing and you know what was required, the things that you did. But how how do you think your upbringing and your experiences growing up uh influenced your career path, if at all? And then, how did growing up in Arkabella prepare you for the world? <sighs> Start with that one. Growing up in Alcoa Butler, I would say, did not really um, prepare me for the world. I'm used to the small country town and, and has been the big cities around me. Um, but growing up there, I got a lot of hard work. Um, parents instilled in us, you know, you work hard you work for what you want and so um i've always used that as um my guidance if there's something that i want 
plan, work hard for it, and just go from there. Yep. Look, quick question for y'all. Is my internet kind of is mine kind of scattering on my end? Are y'all good? Mine was just mine was just scattering, so I don't know. Okay. If we get some buffering going on, because like occasionally Lana, this system it kind of, you know, it'd be the devil be trying to interfere with us a little bit. So if we if we get some buffering and we ask the question again, you know, we uh it's because we got buffering on the end. We'll make sure everybody gets the answers. Okay. Yeah. So um you know, move, moving on to talking about Arcabella going to Coldwater. So, you know, we stayed, I think we, I would say outside of Cottonville, we was probably the furthest point um, outside of Cottonville and the Strayhorn kids to go to Coldwater. But we went to Coldwater all of our lives, um, elementary school. Um, I ain't going to say junior high because when you get to seventh grade, you at the high school. Man, I'm 10. <laughs> <laughs> so straight to the high school. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> For you, for you, how how was cold water for you? You know, I know you was always a standout student, um, honors graduate, class of two thousand two. You were two classes ahead of me. So, how was cold water for you? It was awesome. Um, it prepared me um, a little bit. I wouldn't say fully prepared me for um, my life after high school, but um, all the teachers that we had, Miss Johnson, Coach Bava. Um, Miss Brown, Miss Crowther, and it was just so much influence. And it's, it was, you had to get your work done. They weren't going to let you fail. If you were there mm-hmm. to learn, you were going to learn. And yep. they were not going to let anything get in the way of teaching you if you were wanting to learn. And even the students that didn't want to learn, they were going to teach you regardless. So it's mm-hmm. going to school there. And being intermingling with different people, it was it was fun. Um, sometimes I thought it was a little tough, but you know you just have to buckle down, do your work, do a little studying here and there. But um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think it was a little tough for the students who was trying to do something. You know, and when I, when I mean trying to do something, I mean like trying to make the honor roll and trying to make principal list because it seemed like they pushed us even harder. To do, to do that uh, but for me i don't i don't know if it prepared me for college but uh <laughs> but it definitely helped hit with a stepping stone definitely didn't prepare me for the army i tell you that uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um you know so i guess moving right into mississippi state um that class setting and you know them pushing and you know, trying to make sure you learn. For me, it was tough. So for you, how was it going from that small setting to that setting where you may be just a number in a 300-student auditorium? So how was that transition for you? Oh, gosh, it was rough. It was really, really rough. I went from a majority Black area to walking in a freshman class where I'm the only female and the only Black in the class. So that was like a shock for me is to walk in a class. I think it was that particular class was 175 people. So just imagine being the only one that looked Double like minority. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that was yep. rough. Um, it took me for, it took me a while. And well, I would say it took me a while to get used to it, but I don't think I fully got used to it because it got a little better as I transitioned 
into my actual major. We had maybe two more people that look like me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was definitely a challenge uh, going through that, going through that setting and the different obstacles you had to face. Because I know, I, <laughs> and it was so funny. It's funny now, but it wasn't then. Um, music class. First class had an exam. First exam of the semester. I made an F. Mm. I was not used to that. So <laughs> I got my exam back. I called my mom at work. I was crying. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to flunk out of college. I'm going to flunk out of college. <laughs> All because I failed just one test. And so I guess that was my reality check that this is not high school anymore. You're really going to have to work and do some work and study. So after that, everything was smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah. But that was my, I think that was my turning stone. <laughs> so do you think uh, that test, uh, was it from like lack of preparation or was it from like being so comfortable at, at cold water and being so advanced in, in cold water setting that you kind of underestimated what was required? For that particular test, I think what happened is I took so many notes that I didn't really know. Well, there was so much to study from the, all the notes that I took. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to bring it down and understand, okay, what do they really want? What are they really gonna ask me? So it took some time to learn how to properly take notes, as they say, to yeah. hit the high points and learn different key things. But um, it, was, it was definitely an eye opener. So, so prior to uh, Mississippi State, what do you remember or how did you know you wanted to attend or what influenced your decision to make Mississippi State the school of choice for you? For me, it was because I wanted to do engineering and um, I may be a little biased, but I believe that Mississippi State is the best school in Mississippi for engineering. So that's what led me there. I see Eric brought his cup out for, for the occasion. My throat just dry, man. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't have one of them, y'all. Y'all gonna have to give me a, a honorary coat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you cool. A, a clear cup work, Matt. We'll take a clear cup. <laughs> so, uh, so, Lon, I know you want to do the engineering. That's why you went to state. Do you remember why I went to state? Do you know? Huh? Do I remember why you went? Yeah, do you remember why I or went to state? Or did I tell you why I went to state? Did I ever tell you, you why said, I went do to I state? remember when you went? Why yes. why I went? Now you didn't tell me why. So so Mac, I went to, Mac, I went to state because Lana went to state. Really? That's why I went to state because Lana went to state. Oh. And, and you just not telling her 20 years later? I thought I told. Look, I thought I told her. <laughs> look, 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 maybe she forgot. <laughs> but now, nah, man, uh, that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so look, we um, or I, I wanted to major in pharmacy, and I had to go. To, I had to go to Old Miss if I was going to stay in state. But I'm like, I don't really want to go to Old Miss, and so um, I was like, I want to go to Mississippi State. 
I don't know nobody. I really don't know about that Ole Miss. I know people going to Ole Miss. But I'm like, you know, I know Lana, JoJo down there, you know, all these different people. I'm like, you know what? And you came home one time, Lana, you was like, yeah, they got their own post office, got their own zip code. I said, you know what? I'm going to Mississippi State. <laughs> I'm going to Mississippi State. I'm like, I, I go at least for the first two years. And I got down there and um, struggled in chemistry and changed my major from chemistry to business. So I'm like, you know what? I ain't going to Ole Miss. Forget that. I'm staying right where I'm at. Yeah, I was just about time. to. I was just about to ask, but but you kind of answered. I'm about to say you. So you let your uh, dislike. I don't want to call it hate for Ole Miss to uh, make you change your major, but but you answered it already. Yeah, so I, I about to say, but it's deep. <laughs> no, I, I want to change my major for that. I was going to go for, two, for the first two years. Yeah, I wanted to kind of you know wean myself into the situation. Yeah, and so I'm like, you know what, Lana down there, I think I'd be a little more comfortable being close to my notice there. And she was, t- you know, she was always coming home and talk about you know the stuff in Mississippi State. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to check that out. And so I'm like, I, I go for the first two years, then I transfer to Ole Miss. But after after year two, I switched their major man because I was about to flunk out. Chemistry was wearing me out. Yeah. Yep, wearing me out. Yep. I remember those chemistry classes. I had three of them. <laughs> yeah, that, that ain't a joke. So, um, not at yep. all. So, so going to Mississippi State, you went to Mississippi State because you wanted to do engineering, and you got your undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. I did. So, why mechanical engineering? It's started back in 10th grade before I got to 10th grade geometry class and I cannot remember her name but she was an awesome um, teacher there at Coldwater and we had to interview a professional so I racked my brain like okay so who I'm going to interview so my mom worked with this lady whose daughter was a mechanical engineer so I gave her the list of questions she came back she answered them and I was like huh this is something really interesting. So I kept going and kept going, and um, I was researching what a mechanical engineer would do. So I was like, okay. And me being the first girl of the family, and my cousins were boys, so you know I stayed outside playing in the dirt and everything else, even working on cars. So uh, I was like, okay, I think I can do this. So I researched it and researched it, and I went to engineering camp. For a week, I believe it was a week, um, my junior year of high school, went to Mississippi State. And so we had a week of fun and building a lot of different things. The, um, what was it? The mousetrap cars and the bridges and all of that. I was like, huh, mm-hmm. this is fun. So going through that process, and I was like, okay, I'm going to stick with it. And Graduated from high school, applied, got accepted, and it was history from there. Yeah. Man, that's dope. And it goes back to what we were talking about, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. I don't even remember who you was talking about it with. Probably DJ. Uh, I know we talked about it with Prince Two and Jessica, but just like just seeing things, being able to actually see things, go places, and experience them could contribute. Uh, so much to to our youth, the exposure, because it, it's hard to apply for some or want to do something that you've never seen or, or that you don't even know exists. 
So that's super dope that you was able to, you know, go to that camp and then build on it. Yeah. Yeah. We were definitely talking to uh, all those people. Yeah. yeah. DJ kind of expanded on it because they um, they try to expose a lot of kids now to a lot of stuff that's out of the norm. You know, um, it's, it's different trades out there. Everybody, everybody can't go to school to be a doctor. Everybody can't go to school to be a lawyer. And that's right. the, in our age group, that's the first two things you hear from a kid. Who feel like they need to live up to an expectation i won't be a doctor i won't be a lawyer but just being just being honest you know um like lana you knew 10th grade that you want to be an engineer i didn't even know what engineers did by the time i graduated high school so <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's, it's kind of the difference on you know being exposed to stuff and that, that camp yeah. definitely helped out think about that though like the like i just remember a time where kids the the only things mentioned were like doctor police fireman just like normal answers for kids because i never even thought about it until now but that's just the only things that you would see for the most part mm -hmm. coming from where we from or at least that we thought were success mm -hmm. successful and and so like yeah it's just back to that same point of representation and exposure man yeah it is because until until then I had no idea what an engineer was. Didn't even know mm -hmm. they existed. Because um, interviewing her, that was the first time I had heard of an engineer. It's like, okay, so what do they really do? So, yeah. and it's so diverse. That's the thing about engineering. It's so diverse. You can do so many different things. There are several different disciplines of engineering. Um, and it's, but you're not stuck in actually the discipline that you chose you can do so many other different things with it so so is there a bunch of i guess interconnection between them all since since the way you describe it as if you're not stuck in one one there discipline? Is. it is um <clears throat> i know for me as an me i can work in automotive i can work in medical i can work basically anywhere because there's always a manufacturing machine or a moving part somewhere. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Um, doesn't matter what field I go in. I always have a job. Yeah. So, so for clarity, everybody, mechanical engineering don't just mean a mechanic working on an old school car. It means that anything that they got moving parts to it, conveyor belts, uh, you know, automotive cars, bikes, whatever, right? Yep, injection molding machines, um, extrusion machines. It's pretty much anything. Yep. Yep. So Lana, um, go ahead, Mac. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So so Lana, I know you talked about um, you know, being an ME mechanical engineer and then you know, being automotive working automotive, working mechanical, working medical. So some people probably wonder, and that's why I make that point. Some people probably wonder well, what could she do with a car in the medical medical field? So um, I know you, you and I talked a short while ago, and you talked about it being interchangeable now. So you're working in quality engineering now, right? I am, yep. So could you kind of explain to them what the difference is between quality versus what you're doing or what you got your degree in, in mechanical? Um, the only difference, it all depends on which field you're in. I know when I, my first job was in automotive. I was a tier one, tier two supplier to Toyota. And um, in that job, what I did, I was um, a quality engineer where 
I had to oversee the processes of um, the manufacturing processes of making the interior parts of the cars. So you have to make sure that the specifications were correct. You have to do dimensional analysis, appearance tests. Um, if there was a painted part, you did the painting test and all of that. So it's more of, <clears throat> although I didn't actually work on the machines, I did a lot with making sure that the final product was something that was good to go on a car. And from there, I bounced around three. Yeah, three automotive jobs, and um, all of them were pretty you, much. The you, same. you got experience. You you must have got more experience. Yes, I got more experience. <laughs> <laughs> but that third one brought me back south. Yeah. <laughs> being up north in the cold, it was too cold for me. Too cold. I had to come back south. Where so you start? Where, where did you start it? I started in Indiana, in New oh. Albany, Indiana. Yeah. So coming from a small town in the south, and then moving north, and it was. It was a shocker. Woke up um, October the 31st of the first year I moved up there. <sighs> Woke up to an emotional to event. You see how she called that date out? Yeah, I, I swear. <laughs> she, look, look, look. She, she didn't even say Halloween. It's October 31st. <laughs> yes. I woke up to 15 inches of snow. I had never driven in snow a day in my life. <laughs> to wake up to 15 inches, I'm like, oh my gosh. But, um, one thing about it, up north, they keep the streets they keep the streets clean. They don't shut yeah. down. So yeah. yeah, you have your snow and ice, but you still going to work. Yeah, because down here you get two inches of everybody off. Oh yeah, a thread of two inches. Now you don't even have to receive them. <laughs> they got to stay. They coming. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> But from the automotive world, um, got a little tired of it, wanted something a little different, a little more experience and exposure. So I switched over to beverage, health, and beauty. And from there, I switched over to where I am now, which is um, a lot of medical device pieces. Um, not the actual device, but the different components. Okay. So, <clears throat> so, so I have yeah, that's I have a couple questions based on first, uh, just going back to automotive or, or really any any part of what you explain with your career. Um, I imagine I don't know how true this is, but do you have to sign a lot of NDAs? I had to sign a couple um, with the automotive world, and I've had to sign one in my current company because it's I guess it they would consider it so easy to um re-engineer the product that yeah. if I were to leave where I am now, I couldn't switch over to another company. Oh, I'll so you got like a non you got like a non-compete too? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they make you sign all of that. Yeah. And then uh to follow up, uh could you expound on like the what I think you said beverage health and be nah you said beverage, mm -hmm. beauty and something else. Health. Mm -hmm. Health. So, mm -hmm. how could you expound on the beauty part? Um, I see. No, Eric, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, I'm, hey, I'm just listening, man. Go ahead, y'all. We got fun. We um, at the last company, we made like the hand sanitizer bags, the little shampoo bottles, uh, not shampoo bottles, but the shampoo bags that they put in the um can canisters that they pump out. So we made little um bags like that. Cool, cool. And where I am now, it's a 
not at the facility that I work at, but um, at a different facility. They make like the makeup sponges uh-huh. that a lot of people pay like $20 a piece for. <laughs> you you, you signed the NDA on how much they cost to make or, or are we good to ask? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much they cost because they're not in my actual facility. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Good, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, what was I gonna ask next? Is I just asked two back to back, man. I got more if you you know what I'm saying. Go, go, go ahead, because I'm I'm gonna talk about statistics here in a second, but go ahead. Yeah, so um, from where you are now, and I guess this might be a, a question I could ask a little later on, but I'm asking now anyway. How do, how do you see the field of mechanical engineering evolving in the future? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. It's, it's ever-changing. And with all of the um, electric vehicles and things coming out, it's the opportunities are endless. Uh You have the electric cars coming, you have the power grids, all of that. Um, If you have an ME degree, you can fit in anywhere. And then with that, um, ever changing. So how do you keep up in an industry or profession that's ever changing? Like I know the medical field, they have so much uh, additional training and CEUs that uh, probably most companies, but is that the same in your field as well? Like continue education all the time? It is. And believe it or not, the medical industry is not as strict as automotive. I had to learn that. <laughs> um, but the way I keep up, I, I'm i nerdy, so I like to read. So if it's anything that's new coming out, I'll pull up an article, research it, and read it. Um, Any of the new ISO requirements, any of that, I'll pull it up, read it. So it's a lot of, a lot of reading and to keeping, keeping up with everything that's going on. Yeah. And I I can kind of see that because in the medical field, you know, as long as it's not negligence on something, it's practice, quote unquote practice. But for the automotive industry, you know, airbags and crash tests and, you know, all, all this stuff play a part too. Uh, DOT control that piece of it, which is federal. So uh, I can kind of see that. What? Yeah, man. You know, what do you I, mean I, practice? You talking about practice? Hey, hey, when you, when you ask a doctor what, what they're doing, they're practicing. Hey, nah, I mean, <laughs> nah, don't be practicing on me. <laughs> <laughs> they practicing. <laughs> So, so Lana, um, all right. So, com- coming out of Coldwater as an undergrad, as a an honor student, uh, going to Mississippi State. Uh, I know you already mentioned being one out of 175 students who's not only the only black, but the only black female. <clears throat> so, I did a little a little research. My numbers might not be exactly accurate, but um, in the engineering world, about nine and a half percent of engineers are black. And of that nine, I'll take that back. I'm sorry. Let me go back. Nine and a half percent are female. Mm-hmm. All right. So when we talk about black engineers, only about 3%, 3.1 to be exact, are black. And half of those are female. So you represent 
one and a half percent of engineers everywhere as a black female engineer mechanical engineer slash quality control engineer out of Archibald, mississippi how does that number how, how does it feel to hear that number that you represent one percent it's <laughs> it's a little disheartening um and i would like i would love to see more females and more women of color in the field um i know when i was in indiana it was in the front office first job coming out of college walked in the front office 12 of us in there only one only black person in there in the whole office um there were other females and to come to the next job only black female and it's like you know that we're smart enough we can do it and it's like why am i not seeing someone that looks like me why there why aren't there more women in engineering why aren't there more blacks in engineering it was not until i came back south that i actually worked with other black engineers um at the company that i started when i came back south i was the only black female engineer but there were black male engineers so it's um i don't know i guess it's getting the word out exposing the younger generation is like you said it's more to it's more careers than just being a doctor being a lawyer those are all very very important but you still have engineering so yeah, yeah. so i first just hats off to you for for being the the one and a half percent because that that's major um on any scale so shouts out to you for that um i wanted to ask you already said it was disheartening um so being the one and a half percent uh how do you what challenges have you faced as like the only young black female in engineering or often most times and then uh you know how have you overcome them well it's um and it it happens in every job i've been to you walk in as long as you see my name on an email address or my name on a placard you would think that i'm white good thing your last good, good thing your last name ain't fish patrick <laughs> Fishpatrick don't sound black, man. Sound like you from Ireland or something. I don't know. Nah, I know that. They were saying good thing her name ain't Fishpatrick because they really think she white then. Look at that email. <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it has been a lot of news flashes when they finally figure out who I am. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the trouble begins. Yeah. <laughs> and that's at that point when they finally realize that I am a black female engineer. That's when it's like, oh, what can we do to make her job harder? What can we do 
to make it seem like she doesn't know what she's doing. It's, and it's, I'll never forget, I was having a phone interview. And the first question that the guy asked me, was I really a degreed engineer? Hmm. And I'm like, I said, excuse me? It's like, um, I was looking at your resume and I see that you have engineering degrees. I said, yes, I do. I said, as a matter of fact, I have both a master's, a bachelor's and a master's in mechanical engineering. He's like, oh. And to this day, that's been six years ago? About six years ago. And to this day, that still sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. Is that you're looking at my resume and your first question is, are you really a degreed engineer? Like, okay. What does well, that mean? <laughs> there was a, you said it was a phone interview or? Yes. Like- it was a phone interview. And that was his first question to me yeah, after playing phone tag with me. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I've been on both sides of the table <clears throat> on those phone interviews, face-to-face interviews and all that. And I'll tell you what a lot of hiring managers do now. They go and they pull up not only your LinkedIn, but they, look, they pull up your Facebook profile and they go to see if you're on Instagram or TikTok <clears throat> for whatever reason to see if you, <laughs> and it's crazy because it's almost targeting. Because when they do it, they go to see who you're affiliated with and, and what you're doing versus the person that you are. And when they really open that page and see you're a black person, that first thought for a lot of them who are white counterparts or white hiring managers, they feel like, did this person really get a degree from, from Mississippi State? You know, and and that, and I'm not justifying for sure, but I'm saying that that's that underlying bias or that underlying racism to try to get that double confirmation versus taking your credentials and saying this person is qualified it's still that that edge of racism hell yeah don't it's what selections are made don't guilty me until i'm proven innocent hell you yeah. talking about yeah so so lana follow-up question did you get a face-to-face or was it did you only get that you got a face-to-face i got a face-to-face I actually okay. got hired at that posi- at that job but thankfully he was not my manager <laughs> yeah okay cool yeah. cool because and he had to deal with me, so and yeah, I, I have made follow up to that too. Once you finish, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, so just speaking about situations like that, right? And um how disheartening they could be. How do we and you say we need more black engineers, we need more female engineers and more black female engineers. So how do we get past the part that's disheartening to encourage them to still like i i kind of got an answer already but i'm gonna finish the question anyway but you know how do we continue to encourage them to like go into these fields uh that's not that we're very much a minority in um and how do we continue to encourage them to do that when they hear these horror stories if you will I would, um, to me is the more of us that are out there in the fields, in the front line and showing that, hey, you may not think that I'm qualified, but I am. You may not think that I'm the right person for this, but I am. So just putting your best out there, um, 
hard work pays off and everybody notices your hard work no matter what <clears throat> what may happen inside the little closed rooms if you're a good employee and you know your stuff and you can prove your stuff your name goes higher and higher and higher no matter where you go i know my first job here in georgia i worked for um, a quality manager he is now my quality director at the company that i am now and it's leaving one job not working with this person for two years and then for him to see my resume come across it's like oh i need this person yeah it speaks volumes so just getting um it may be tough it may be hard but i always look at it as a parent you know hard work put your best foot forward they can't take away what you know so it's just you know it you do it you prove it yeah and just prove them wrong yep i'm gonna add, I'm gonna add to that they definitely can't take it away and if they don't exactly. appreciate it i'll tell you what our generation ain't scared to take that talent somewhere else man I'm exactly so we, <laughs> we, we, we ain't afraid of that because uh you know i know we talked about it briefly on what i do now but even the company and the industry i work in I'm the only one. I've said it several times on here. I'm the only one of me in the region that do what I do. And actually, I think I'm the only one in the country in my position to do what I do. So, you know, to your point earlier, sitting in that room and seeing that you're the only one, it's kind of um, draining. Okay, Mr. Fitch, Mr. One of What? I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> well, I'm gonna let you finish. I keep, I'm sorry. I'm acting like Stephen A. Just hold it out. So it's kind, of, it's kind of draining, you know, it's kind of draining and it's, um, but it also made me remember the nights and the days when I worked 18, 19 hour days in previous roles to get where I am today. And I'm like, you know what? I ain't gonna let them get me to the point where, you know, I'm gonna just do this or do that because I deserve to be here. So that's why, that's why when I talk about that 1%, you know, I'm 1%. <laughs> so, yeah. so I feel you. So go on, Mac. What were you about to say? Yeah. I was just going to say like, uh, to I don't know I guess just piggyback off of that I I've been in those situations too where I'm like the only one in the room uh young first young black then rank and it's like people look at you like damn you look young to be such and such you look young to be a mess sergeant and you know, the thoughts, the comebacks I had going through my head that I just don't really say to them at the time. But uh, <laughs> but just to go off of what you were saying is like how sometimes like you've been in those rooms. Like I initially I felt the way, but like I enjoy being in those rooms knowing like even, you know, it's it's a point to where you're the only one. It's like, damn, I wish it was it was more. But then it's also another side like, yeah, I'm I'm in this month. <laughs> I'm in here. Yeah. So. Yep. And, and like when I go in there, I, I represent for us. So I, I'm not sugarcoating. I'm not. I'm staying true to myself, staying true to my roots, and still professional. Uh, you know, 100% professional, but also 100% myself when I go in those rooms. And so, like, I think uh, I just find some sort of joy in that as well. Yeah. And it's and it's opening the it's opening the door for the next young black person to come in whether it's a female or a male is opening that door to say, Hey, he did it. 
let's give this person a chance. Yeah, and, and, and I'm always advocating for the next minority, whether it's male or female. Um, and I hate to, I'm not, I'm gonna jump off a rabbit hole real quick. And I know Jig, he ain't on here tonight, but he know he know these stories already. So I, I actually hired him into a position in a previous company, and in that same company, I promoted us. Like I promoted the first black female uh, distribution supervisor in the company. You know, I promoted the first black warehouse manager in the region, you know, in, in my previous role when I was in the role six years. But, um, you know, to, to those points, we had to perform better than our peers and our counterparts. Um, and in, in my current role, we do peer reviews. And of course, I've been in, in this company for just over a year now. So we just had peer reviews and um, I didn't think it, didn't believe it, but my peers actually rated me higher than any other uh, commercial director in the company. So I had the highest rating of my peers. And in that same visit, when I found it out, I was able to sit down with the people manager and be confident enough to ask the question, is it, and she's one of us, but to be confident enough to ask the question, is there any more flavor trying to come through the pipelines? <laughs> <laughs> and I and she said, uh, not really. And I said, why is it? Is it you know lack of confidence or whatever? And she was like, lack of interest. So some of us are not motivated to apply for certain companies based on the, the setup and the landscape. But we need to continue trying to open those doors for them. Yeah. And I know I was I was one of those. Um I was some jobs I wouldn't apply for. I was like, you know, I don't have the experience for that. Just like the job mm -hmm. I'm in now. I hadn't worked in the medical field. I hadn't worked at a medical device company. I was like, you know, eh, I don't really qualify for it. But it's once you get there and you understand what is going on, and it's one industry is really no different from the other. Because mm -hmm. in the end, everything is the same. Yep. They and you follow the process. As long as you follow the process, you're good. Yep. Same processes. The only yep. difference is uh, where I am now. Some of the product is FDA regulated, and that's basically it. That's basically it because we're still under ISO 9000, so and that's universal. So. <laughs> the kind of were raising eyebrows, I'm like, all right, ISO 9000. Yeah, I swear, we I, sticks and stones, ISO 9000 now. Yeah, we got some 9000, so we, we, we rolled that one. <laughs> So what's ISO 9000 since we're here? <laughs> ISO 9000 is a standard um, that oh, okay. manufacturing facilities should go by. It tells you, it gives you a guideline of what you should and should not do. Um, it gives you a guideline on all of your, how to fill out your paperwork, what um, your company can do, what they can't do before getting shit down. Yeah. Mm. It's and just then, rules and regulations. Yeah. <laughs> what what makes uh is there anything different about your processes or the things that you do when you're FDA regulated opposed to when you aren't? When you're FDA re FDA regulated, you have very strict requirements to follow. Um and at any point the FDA can come into your facility and if they find a mistake, they can just shut you down completely. So the FDA is like OSHA. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. So there, there was a situation, I ain't going to talk about Family Dollar, 
the family dollar had a situation over in uh west memphis <laughs> Look, i ain't gonna talk about it, but they have a situation <laughs> they have a situation in one of the warehouses where uh there was a lot of rats in and out of there and the, the local people know um Snitches or, or like real rats like real rats in the warehouse and, 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 <laughs> and hold on let me, let me rephrase that both because a rat told the news about the rats <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh yeah, they had this situation. and um it hit the news man and you know um fda osha all of them basically ended up shutting that place down for the second time um because there was medications and food and everything else in there in that warehouse that they were getting a hold of them. wow yeah rough situation Damn, man how you know about that i know about everything dealing with these retailers man it's part of i gotta know it yeah yeah <laughs> man we need to talk man i might need a job we on we lie. I know. <laughs> I ain't talking about nothing. I know we live. I ain't talking about nothing I ain't qualified for and I can't compete for, baby. And now what, no what I'm saying is on the uh, on the Zoom calls, like if you see on the Zoom calls at work, let's take that one offline. <laughs> we'll take that one offline, man. Stay on, stay on after this. Let's table mm-hmm. that discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Lana, I guess what what advice would you give uh someone that's interested, uh young or old, whatever, uh that's interested in mechanical engineering? What what advice would you have for them? Uh, the best advice I could give is put your best foot forward, don't give up. It will get hard, but don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. Best foot forward. When times get rough, don't give up. Don't give up because they will get rough. <laughs> when, t- when times get rough, put them feet down. Go get that pedicure and keep it moving. Feet. <laughs> <laughs> them heels get rough. But yeah, it, it's it's uh it's crazy. But I, I was I ca- I try to do a little research here and there. And you know we ain't, I ain't talking numbers, so you know we ain't, I ain't saying this to bring up numbers, but mechanical engineering is one of I think it's mechanical and industrial are the two engineering fields where females actually are able to make a little more than males. That's national statistics. So I don't know about company, but national statistics says that females make a dollar and two cents for every dollar versus males. So what ladies, if y'all, it's on the national, <laughs> national science foundation. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, I oh, know that's that our Wikipedia on the not, no, not good. When you're talking good, you know, you know that. But, <laughs> but, uh, don't know how accurate that is. Cause just like anything else, it can be biased detail. Um, because when I go back to that point of saying that black females make up one and a half percent, and black people in general make up three percent of engineering there's nine percent that are made up by other and so other could be anybody you see what i'm saying so so that that difference could be going towards those other minority groups versus um black people but what i would say is um to lana's point about don't give up also do y'all's research for your kids and be able to talk to them about um, those career paths and and what it looked like before they get into it because um, I know probably four, 
four black females who got mechanical engineering degrees. And a lot of you are the only one who are still working in the engineering field. Like the others were discouraged. Uh, I mean, got their degrees and everything, but just switch majors, whatever the case may be. So engineering can be tough. It can be tough. It can. And I know um, going through state my freshman year, I had an advisor. And that's, that's shocking in itself to after my freshman year, I think I might, how would I have a three, 3.6 or something like that, I believe. But he would, um, we're going through getting ready to go, uh, getting ready to register for my uh, sophomore year classes. And his question was, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you don't want to change into a different major? You're like, what? And so that alone pushed me. He's like, you know what? He doesn't believe in me. That's fine. But I'm going to show him in the end. And the day of my graduation, my um, bachelor's graduation, we had the little, they call it the graduation luncheon. Mm-hmm. And he literally looked at mom, dad, and granny. And my sister was there as well. And he looked at them and told them, I didn't think she was going to make it. Hmm. Like, huh? And you're my advisor. Yeah. But yeah, so you'll have those different challenges along the way. You'll have professors that don't want to see you um, go forward. You'll have managers that don't want to see you go forward. You just got to keep pushing, pushing yeah. and proving wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I um, and, and he told you that at your graduation. I was telling Macken, Macken Jig this. This might may have been ten episodes ago. That I had an advisor in the chemistry department, Svein Sabo was his name, ah. and uh, he um, I struggled in his class, and I could tell as I was standing outside of his office waiting to get help that he would spend more time helping the other students um, mm-hmm. than he would with me, and he basically told me one day, "Yeah, you may need to figure out something else because chemistry isn't for you." But I'm thinking to myself, "Hold on, I come out of high school with a 98 average in chemistry, you know, I didn't, you know." I know what that table looked like, you know, so I'm like, it's, you know, it's something wrong here. And, and what was wrong was um, I didn't look like the person he wanted to see succeed. Oh, yeah. But I also knew that my GPA wasn't going to get me into pharmacy school right. at that point. So, you know, I, I was I was quick enough to say that I'm not going to waste time. I'm going to go ahead and go to plan B. And plan right. B was to go into business school and put a concentration in marketing because, um Mark, marketing and management. Every company need a marketer. Every company need a manager. And I, and I, ironically, um, you know, I worked at Walgreens when I graduated finally. And part of working at Walgreens, I had to be I had to be pharmacy tech certified. And that was the worst job I ever had in my life, having to stand in that pharmacy and fill them prescriptions. <laughs> that was the worst job ever. Oh. <laughs> I called my manager on Christmas night and told him I would quit. <laughs> why, man? Why? Why is that the worst? I know some people that like being pharmacy tech. For, for, for me, for me, it was the worst job okay. ever. Okay. I, I'm I'm used to being out and about. I want to be able to see more than just four walls and 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 some pharmacists out there. They'll they'll tell you if you look at if you talk to a pharmacist from now versus a pharmacist from 30, 40 years ago. Pharmacists from 30, 40 years ago mix their own medicines and stuff. Like they they had the ingredients to mix and do all that. Pharmacy now, the techs 
and I'm not I'm not discrediting the profession, but I'm saying now it's it's more streamlined now, and you got so many checks and balances that you almost got processes in place where you almost just count pills and everything else fall in place. And but it wasn't that part of it that I really didn't like. What I didn't like was being in that in that pharmacy, that small setting, and only seeing bottles and bottles and bottles of pills, three or four people, and the patients coming up to the window and the drive-through. That's all you saw all day long. And it was like it was like being caged in almost. But I'm like, you know what? Stuff happened for a reason because I, I can't see myself doing this for a lifetime. Yeah, so, we need to get some pharmacy techs on here and some pharmacists. I know some pharmacy tech. I ain't saying that for because of what you I am saying it because of what you said. Mm-hmm. But I just want to know. Oh, yeah, we definitely get insight on I want to know the difference because I feel like I know this ain't the topic, but I feel like uh it's more to it than those four walls. Yeah, it, it, somewhere, it, it, else, somewhere else those walls are larger. Somewhere yeah. else it's another side of it, opposed to just that point. So I don't want somebody watching that mm-hmm. might be interested in it to think like, oh shit, I saw E say this, and they and think that's going to be the experience because it's more than just those four walls. Yeah, like, yeah. Just for clarification. Yeah, that, that's why that's why I said I, you know, for me, um, because and I use another profession for example, a surgeon. You know, surgeons make crazy money, but I wouldn't want that pressure on me to, to be a surgeon. I would probably hate being a surgeon, you know, but uh, different strokes, different folks. Some people, some people love, will love being in a pharmacy, you know, being pharmacists. I know a lot of pharmacists out there, but for me, it wasn't, I couldn't see myself yeah. doing it for a lifetime. And, you know, yeah. I mean, but th- th- things happen for a reason. I th- and yeah, I, yeah. I think. I think God knew that I wasn't gonna. I wasn't, he won't be wasting no money going into that. So, plan B. Then he took you right out of school and showed you, like, hey, just so yep. you get some clarity on this. Yep, this is what you would have been doing. Yep. Yeah, because I, because I actually, and, and not not to make this about me, and I'm gonna keep on going on, but the entire time I worked there, like for the first nine months, I was questioning myself, like, should I have stayed in this? Should I have stayed in this? But man, by by month ten, I'm like, you know what? I don't even like this. You know. <laughs> Because you know, I'm like, they keep calling me, come back there and help. I don't even like this, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, stuff stuff happened for a reason, and that's when yeah. I accept that um, not to settle because I didn't settle. Um, my livelihood now is better, and I'm not talking about just going to work. But my livelihood now is better than what it would have been if I had that career path too. So things happen for a reason. Yeah. All right. All right. Back yeah. along. Yeah, let me read that thing. Let me read that thing. Let me read that thing. Uh, got a couple. I got a couple more questions. Uh, let, let me see which one I want to ask first. Can you talk about or discuss some of the the common misconceptions with engineering in general or mechanical engineering specifically? Uh, your choice. Okay. Um, the common misperception in engineering. I know when I first started was. Everybody was talking to, I know, telling someone, hey, I want to be a mechanical engineer. You want to go work for the trains? Like, huh? That was was at home, wasn't it? Yes. (laughs) It was like, no, it's more to being an engineer than just being, than working for a railroad or working for a train station. So that was the biggest um, misperception of it. Uh, now it's more of do you really know what you're doing or do you really know what you're talking about 
And it's, you have to take all of your standards and wrap them all up into the product that's being produced at the facility that you're working at. And you have to be well-versed in um, speaking with your customers about anything that's going on that they think is a defect with their product. You have to be real-versed in going back and forth with them, talking to them about it. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a buddy in right, here, right here real quick. And you mentioned the railroad. So I was going to say, say this for later, but I'm going to go ahead and share this. Um, as D.L. Hewlett would call it, a little known black history fact. Okay. So the first black engineer was Elijah McCoy. And he was born to runaway slaves. He was out of Canada. Um, he couldn't find a job, so he moved to Michigan where his family now lives, or then at the time. So after being able to find a job in engineering because of his race, um, he found a job working as a fireman for the Michigan Central Railroad. Part of his duties was oiling the steam engine parts. Soon he invented an automatic engine lubricator. And with the automatic engine lubricator, a lot of people got wind of it. So you don't have to you don't have to stop the trains and lubricate the components, you know, so you don't have to worry about it catching a fire. And that is where the name or that people started saying they wanted the real McCoy lubricator. So when y'all hear somebody talk about the real McCoy, That's somebody might make it up for something else, but the real McCoy is Elijah McCoy, who's the first black engineer who's descendant of runaway slaves who couldn't find a job, ended up getting a job as a fireman, but still use his talents and his profession to come up with an automatic or automated lubricator for the railroad. So a lot of people don't know that. I ain't seen other people. One time for the real McCoy, dog. The real McCoy. The real McCoy. Yes, sir. That shocked me. I didn't know that. Appreciate that. Uh, that, that black history effect right there. That's you are, you're welcome, man. That's dope. And then, like, your timing was impeccable. You just wait till she makes it to the was. railroad again. Like, you know, that transition. I see you. Hey, man, you know, you know, you working. You know, he do, he do his thing, man, sometimes, you know. <laughs> hey, you know what? Me, you ain't even arguing about nothing tonight. I see you working. Let's, yeah. let's, let's not start either. Right, okay, well, let's, let's stay on track. Let's stay on track. <laughs> but now, but I, I thought that was interesting. And to your point, you know, uh, people assuming that you're going to work for the railroad. So I think a lot of our people, like it was back in the day, somebody do something great, people know who it is, but we lose, we lose that in our generations on who did what. You know, just like now, past great grandparents, I can tell you what the ancestral tree looked like. But just like Elijah McCoy doing what he did back then, the real McCoy, I'm sure that name was stolen from that to be used for something else. But that's who that's who uh was the first black engineer, Elijah McCoy. Sweet. Yep. I'm gonna have to go read up on that too. Every yeah. time, every time something like this happen, or every time we talk about and uh, just discover gems like that, it just remind me of why we doing this. And so, um, having you on, having all our other guests on, uh, just to talk about and provide exposure uh, to our community and to anybody else that might be watching, uh, it just goes back. It goes to show like how important it is. Uh, especially coming from where we come from, because like, you know, it's if every generation advances a little bit, we still gonna stay behind forever. So we gotta make leaps and bounds to catch up 
And so, like, it's very important that we just share information, um, not withhold information and expose as many people as we can to the different things that the world has to offer so that, uh, you know, people aren't trapped just by lack of knowledge. At least, you know what I'm saying, they trapped by choice and not because they didn't know any better. So, yeah. So don't don't y'all be afraid when that finish line get moved even further back because we start to advance on stuff. Because like Lana mentioned earlier, the uh, the industry of engineering is always evolving. So you got these electrical cars, you got all this stuff coming up. You know, y'all y'all starting to see it. You don't even realize it. You go into Walmart, you go into Kroger, all these automated cashier machines. They're they're slowly getting rid of hourly rate jobs. You got. You know, um, what's the name of the company that do the food delivery? Grill Hub and and what's the other one? Um, DoorDash. DoorDash. Yeah, DoorDash and all these different places. You got Instacart. all this. Stuff. Yeah, Instacart. I ain't so, gonna lie, I be wearing Instacart ass out. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you got all these um, evolving you know companies and strategies to get stuff done. And one thing for sure, when these auto um, production companies get rid of these frontline people. They still need engineers and they they still need safety personnel and people that work for osha you know all, all that you know e- even in the medical field they have machines now that's doing surgery and you might have a doctor out there that, that's gonna have to stand in the room and, and monitor but you also have to have an engineer make sure the machine doing what it's supposed to do yep you know and that's i know a lot of people um with the evolution of all of the robots and everything they think that it's gonna take all of the manual jobs away mm-hmm. and i i know where i work um we're trying to bring in more automation uh, we're talking to different companies designing different machines to automate a lot of the things that the current workforce does and they are so afraid that it's going to take their jobs and being on this side of it for me is is it will never take your job completely because for every robot, you're going to have to have somebody that can fix it. They can program it and they can run it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it will never, all of the robots will never completely take all the human jobs away. So there will always be jobs. Yeah, it may not good. be what you want to do, but yeah. somebody has to run their robot. Don't, don't be afraid. Be aware. And be able exactly. to adapt, because mm-hmm. uh, you ain't want to work at Walmart to bag the groceries, right. and now you got to bag your own damn groceries for free, mm-hmm. and, and you got to pay your you got to pay for it, and you paying for them, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you paying some for y'all, them. Some of y'all paying for them. <laughs> <laughs> but, I but think they're let... coming out with something now where you have to buy your bags if you don't take them or something. Oh, they, I know they some already, of the grocery stores uh, do that. Uh, in Hawaii, I was in Hawaii 2015. They were like heavy on recycling and getting rid of plastic. So like you had to buy, I think bags was five cents each in Hawaii. And also in Washington, I want to say two, if I remember correctly. But I know for sure in Hawaii at one point. And then I want to say in Washington as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's the opportunities out there, y'all. So again, when that finish line move, be ready to adjust. Be ready. Because it's moving. It's, it's moving quick. Yep. Man, oh, you got some more? 
I do. Uh, I got a few questions. Uh, nothing too heavy. Do you, Lana, have any project or accomplishment that, that you're particularly, like one or more, if you want to mention more, that, that stands out that you're extremely proud of in your career that you're willing to share with the audience? Uh, um, I guess I would say one of my biggest accomplishments now would be um, my first time officially managing a group of individuals. Um, I've normally been just a QE uh, or just a manufacturing engineer working through different things. And now I am still that, but actually managing other people now. So that's to me is a big accomplishment um, to not only do the job, but to influence and work with others or manage others in doing the jobs. Word. Shout, shout out to you for that. Uh, did, did you feel well prepared and in your uh, upbringing throughout your career for that moment or those moments, I should say? Uh, no, as um, out of the five I manage, four of them are well over, well older than me. <laughs> I have one lady that I managed. No, she's true. been at the company for 46 years. Can't tell so, you look, can <laughs> Are you can. A lot of them are, are real, most of them probably real humble. But you get the ones. She has her moments. She's actually taught me a lot, and um, I've taught her a lot as well. So, so we balance each other out a little bit. That's yeah. yeah, I know some of them. Well, they they tough to deal with in my in my experience. Oh uh, yeah, that 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 one list. <laughs> yeah, that one list. <laughs> hey, it's a it's a it's a joy to tell the story. I remember one guy, uh, one guy came up to the office one day and hit, you know, his manager reported to me. So I had seven managers report to me and then they had their sales teams and, you know, warehouse person that reported them. And, uh, one, one guy, I gave strict direction. This is what I want done. This is what I want done. It better be done. And, uh, <laughs> George said the guy came up to the office and was telling uh, him and the manager that he reported to, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to call here. I'm going to call here. <laughs> just, 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 he told him if he knows good for him, he ain't gonna call. Him. <laughs> he don't, he never called me. So, <laughs> so now nah, those jokers, man. Some of you can't tell nothing. They they send their ways, but it's good when you got something that, that's still uh, teachable, trainable. Oh yeah, yeah. Because with me, it's either you can do it like I want you to do it, or the best way to do it. But it's gonna get done because if you yeah. don't do it. Then we have a totally different problem. Oh yeah, it's gonna get done. It's still gonna get done. It's oh, gonna yeah. get done. <laughs> and if I have to do it, it's gonna be something. Hey, if, if I had to do it, it's gonna be your your last time with me telling you to do it for sure. Hey, if I, if I have to start doing other four jobs, it's time. Let's go. I don't need them. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I don't need them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess one of my last questions would be how how do you balance? What's your work? life balance like as a as a mechanical engineer uh, and or quality my... oh yeah as an engineer <laughs> mine is 
It's good. Um, I'm able to take off and be with my kids um, when they have activities going on at school. I'm able to take off working from home when I need to. Um, so it's uh, the company that I work for now is really good. I can say that. Um, that if I have something come up, if I need to leave half a day, it's no problem. Um, and honestly, <laughs> unless I need to actually go on the production floor and look at parts or look at the process, I can work at home every day. Yeah. So my work-life balance is good. That's dope. Hey, can we talk offline? We'll get through. <laughs> <laughs> Only if we're talking about a work from a complete work from home job. <laughs> Hey, hey, look, me, me and Mango come to the green room when we get out here. So, <laughs> hey, I, I'm retiring. That would be awesome. I'm, I'm retiring in two, three months. So, <laughs> it's up. I'm searching. I'm uh, my resume ready. <laughs> so, so I know you mentioned uh, like NDAs and non competes earlier, but if you are or could you work? like private work or with a different company on something totally different or anything engineering, you can't do it at all. Yes, I can. Um, I could actually be a consultant if I wanted to. Um, but because of the kids and being a consultant would consist of a lot of traveling mm -hmm. and I, my kids come first. Yep. Um, so that's, um, but if you are an engineer, you can, it's, I guess you can consider it just like a traveling nurse if you want to. You can go to different companies, especially startup companies, and go in, look at their processes, look at their documentation, work three, four days a week, and back at home. Yeah. So, so that, that is a good work life balance if you want, if you enter yeah. the traveling piece too. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Yeah. So, Lana, uh, any uh, chances on, on coming back to Mississippi? You know what? I have been trying to find a job in Mississippi since 2013. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to find a job in the yeah. actual state of Mississippi. My first job I interviewed for, um, and it's TG Missouri. It's the, um, I believe they're still in baseball, but I interviewed there, but they didn't have an actual job in Mississippi. So that's how I ended up in Indiana. Gotcha. But it's like every, every time I was looking for a job, I would always look for Mississippi. Yeah. Had an interview. And um, it was a month later, they still hadn't called me back. And I was like, you know what? Let me find me a job. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I have no idea what it is about Mississippi. <laughs> I have yet to find a job in the state. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been somewhat lucky. I, I had to put in a lot of travel early and, you know, being in New Orleans twice and uh, in Jackson twice and having to go to Texas with trains and small stints in Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right at home. Don't know how long it's going to be. It depends which way the wind blow. But um, okay. you know, for now we we've been here now going on four years, or just over four years now, so okay. we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, 
Maybe. I tell, tell you what, it ain't nothing like driving around, driving the bluffers and rolling one down, smelling that fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love coming home. I love coming. Um, but I don't know if I, I think I could live there again. I've been gone nine years. Yeah, I've been gone nine years this month. Look, so. look. Look, Tanya said, don't come home. <laughs> Keep doing what you've been doing. To God, say different. You can come home anytime. <laughs> yeah, that's what we've been that's doing. like some advice I got. <laughs> when, we, when we trying to figure out where to, where to uh, retire at, like, yeah. uh, you can always go back home. Yeah. Like, all right, then. All right, cool. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Dad got a spot right on there for us. Uh, he, look, he'd he, he, he be thrilled. <laughs> yeah. Matt. Uh, I don't have anything else except uh what's next for Miss Lana? Oh what's next? I haven't really thought about it. Um I know right now it's pretty much the kids. Um Yep, getting yep. them through school. Um, they make me very proud. Both are straight A students. Yeah, little shining stars down there. Huh? That's a little shining oh. stars down there. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, my daughter is um, actually preparing for middle school at Elite Scholars. So that was awesome news for me and for her as well. And my son. Thank you. And he is not far behind her. Um, I think they will compete a lot as they go through. So I guess what uh, next for me is making sure that they have what they need to succeed and um, helping as many and talking to as many young people as I can to let them know, hey, there are careers out there. Just got to go for it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we do a lot of talking to all the guests about, you know, I, I guess I guess we can call it what ifs or, or, or what do you think? You know, um we know what cold water is now, we know what the school situation is. They now talking about closing school again, you know. What's that Mac? I said now we finna argue. Now we ain't gonna argue. <laughs> so they they talking about closing school again. And long you know, they was talking about that when we was in elementary. Yeah. And we're going to sit in knees in the gym from down west, they trying to get the straight horn. But um Apparently it's official this time. They're gonna close the school, the high school rather, and ship the kids to Independence and, and Strayhorn. So um what, what what do you think? If if you have a thought, what do you think um will come of that? How how will it impact our communities as far uh, as growing? Oh gosh. Um I see it hurting the community a lot. Um with parents having to bust their children to different schools outside of their norm. It's, I see a lot of parents maybe uprooting and moving their children to the place that they want them to go to school. Uh, I really dislike it. Um, and I know I'm not there to do anything about it, didn't have a vote or anything because I'm not actually physically there anymore. But um, those that voted to close it, 
it's, I think it was one of the worst decisions ever to make when you have so many families within the city of Coldwater and down west and out east that went to school there. And it's, I don't know, it's a touchy subject, a touchy subject, but I think it was the worst mistake ever. Every area needs their need a school. You need um, a place for your children to learn to be safe and where they're not having to ride 20, 30 miles outside just to go get a good education. Yeah. And um, for the ones who don't know, Lana says that very unbiased um, because Lana has a nephew who actually played football at Strayhorn and was able to get a scholarship and go on to college on scholarship. Um, so that that situation, you know, it, it's, it's pros and cons to everything. So, you know, if he was at Coldwater, he probably wouldn't have gotten a scholarship. But what about the other kids who are like Walker School area, you know, um, Stage Road and what, what they call it, West of 55, having to go that far out and the parents having to make sure their kids get to school, but then come all the way back to 55 and come up to South Haven to come to work or go to Memphis to go to work, those situations. So I'm not – I think we're at a point where, you know, what's, what's happening is happening. And it didn't happen overnight, but I think we're also to a point where it don't still don't make common sense to close that school uh, just to um, pacify the outlier schools. Exactly. But um, you know, if, if every kid can go and get a scholarship, that's great. You know, whether it's athletic or academic, that's great. But that's what the uh, standard should be with them closing school, because just like Lana graduated two thousand two, went on to be a mechanical engineer quality engineer now uh thriving in her in her profession has uh two young kids her own who are thriving as well now so that 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 path has been you know is a blaze you know i went got my business degree got an mba you know master's in business so i'm working uh mac went to the military he's about to retire congratulations again mac so i know it's a long long 20 years so yeah about to retire uh you know also a health information management professional I ain't done, man. Let me let me finish. First the health information technician. <laughs> no, nah, you want to call out the dishes? You know what I'm saying? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, my man. Go ahead. Do you think? Do you think? My bad. Go ahead. Call out. I ain't finished yet, so I ain't gonna keep going. It, you know, I'm degreed over here too, just because I'm in the military. Don't don't think I'm not degreed because I'm in the military. Don't let this in this trap in the way that I talk fool you, baby. We get to it. But uh, my, my my point is, uh, we're, we're just a chip of the uh, success stories that will come out of Cold War. And, you know, you have class 2002, 2003, and 2004 on here. Uh, Jigsaw, he'd be class 06. But it seems like after you got around that 2010, 2011 mark, things started going downhill fast for the school based on um, people's agenda and not based on the quality of education that the kids were expected to get because you still had people making 20s on the acts and stuff like that to that point i don't know what it is now but just wanted to ask that question i don't see how you felt about it or what you thought about it because the day may come where you know we might we might be retired and we might be needed for a charter school or something in cold water you know Ooh, i love our teaching <laughs> hey hey <laughs> counselor guidance 
you know, just just bring bring in, bring in information. You know, you gotta be a you gotta be a teacher, but just to educate, make sure that kids know about these different professions. Right. And you know, and I and I still say that the teacher is the most important occupation of any, because with, with, without teachers, how can you have professionals and other stuff if you didn't have anybody to take a child and teach them how to learn? Teachers exactly. need teachers need nil deals like like the college players nba contracts for the teachers man yep some yep. um i think though the school man you know it's sad it's unfortunate it is what it is but i also think like uh change is tough it's hard it's not always understood in the beginning and so maybe this turns into one of those situations not saying it will can't tell you I think it will, but but I also know like change is tough and a lot of people don't understand it in the beginning. Now, could it be some uh redlining and all of that going on? Perhaps. Could not be, but uh at some point we're gonna have to stop talking about, and I'm not saying us like right now, but I'm saying we had to stop talking about what was and what could have been and figure out, you know how we contribute moving forward in right. a, a way, even if it's not involved in school, but just like these conversations, these collective minds, how do we, regardless of what school the kids are going to, how do we still mm -hmm. contribute from wherever we may be in the world? And then like, there was some brought up earlier that I want to touch on, Eric, I think you mentioned, uh, or we were just talking about professions and people not being exposed and not knowing things. And you would mention like a research the things that your kids want to do so you can be able to give them an educated answer uh to add to that if you if you can't uh thoroughly research or provide them with what they need for a profession that they want like especially like while we have this platform reach out to us I'm not saying we have all the answers but we may be able to reach somebody who does have answers or somebody that can provide the information to uh get these kids more insight yeah yeah, it's, it's a lot of people uh, who we've talked to. It's a lot more people who we're going to talk to from, from different walks. And, um, you know, it's, it's things we don't know about, we don't hear about. You know, before before the night, I'm sure some of our viewers didn't even know what a mechanical engineer was. But they knew Lana, you know. Look, 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 look. <laughs> I knew what it was, but, you know, I ain't, I ain't know I knew one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you got a lot of uh, insight that's going to come from this. And this is what we're doing. We definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Um, Thank you. Sure. Where you are. Yep. Anything else you got for us, Mom? No, thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, definitely an honor. Uh, look forward to more of these conversations and, you know, advancing the culture one conversation at a time. So before we get up out of here, Fitzpatrick, you got anything else? Now, nah, man, I told Lana before we jumped on, I was gonna try to we're gonna try to keep it nice and sweet for the sake of time. Since she's on Eastern time zone, it's uh 10 30. Even though she can wake up in the morning and get a cup of coffee and work from the kitchen table, we still <laughs> actually doing a field trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now nah, nah, man, I'm I'm good on my end. Just uh again, appreciate it, Lana, for coming on and sharing this story with us. Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh yeah, just thank you, thank you, thank you. To everybody watching, remember, uh, follow us on all social media. Uh, reach out if it's something that we potentially be able to help with. Don't ask for no money. 
Uh, <laughs> but you know, no, don't, don't, don't do it in that. Don't ask for no money. What's <laughs> <laughs> so crazy? For no money. Hey, but now, on, on a serious note, just reach out and you know, if it's something that we can potentially help find answers for or put somebody in contact with the right people so that they can move forward, then please do that. Because here at Sticks and Stones, the mission is to showcase the stories of individuals and organizations making a positive impact in our community and beyond through our podcast. You know, to inspire, inform, and connect our listeners with the people and ideas that are shaping the world for the better. Our focus is on highlighting the diverse voices and perspectives that make our community unique and sharing stories of those working hard to make it an even better place to live, work, and visit. So join us as we continue to explore the people, places, and ideas that are transforming our world one conversation at a time. Stacey Stones, we out. All right. Too big Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Right back, right back. Yeah, I'm coming right back, right back, right back. Yeah, I'm coming right back. They want me to stop, so I'm coming right back. Yeah, I'm coming right uh. back. Almost at the top, so I'm coming right back. Yeah, I'm coming yeah. right back. I want to take a break, but I can't. I want to renew my vows in the bank. They say they happy for you, but they ain't. My mama would say, boy, tell them thanks. It's a celebration when we link. Tell them go and drop the ice cubes in my drink. In the car with the seatbelt on, but the straps on me, not a restraint. Keep the money coming like the complaints. Ten toes out the elbows from the ground with it like I'm doing a plank.